dim the lights because it's time for another edition of the box office preview podcast on stage blog podcast network production i am your host greg Earhart, contributor to on stage blog and on screen and joining me today my co-host he never ever panics when movies don't go according to plan it's on-screen chief critic Ken Jones. Ken, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's been a little while. It has been a little while. We uh, we took last week off. Uh, last week, um, the only uh, wide release uh, that that opened was Abominable, and uh, I think it was a wise decision uh, because it opened pretty much exactly as expected. I think during our box office preview, our fantasy box office preview. We project about twenty to twenty-five million dollar open, and that's basically what what happened. Uh, it opened to exactly twenty point six million, which, as expected, it was an animated movie about a plot that we've kind of seen a couple of times uh, mm-hmm. in recent memory. And even at eighty percent Rotten Tomato, it's in the middle of September. You know, this is this is exa- exactly the open. This is exactly uh, what we were what we were looking for, and it delivered. So. They're really, you know, if you're looking, I think this is a movie, if you're looking, uh, take your kids somewhere in the middle of September, you have nothing else to do, um, don't want to take them outdoors, this was the movie, and uh, there wasn't much else to it, uh, to see. That brings us to uh, our the previous weekend. I was going to say, uh, we should probably spend more time on the previous weekend than, than last weekend. <laughs> Where there was things some happen. over what we did and did not cover. <laughs> Our first uh, Twitter controversy, if, if you will. So the previous weekend had three releases, two of which we covered <laughs> on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie that won the weekend, we did, we did not cover. It was Downton Abbey, opened at a very spectacular 31, uh, 31 million. Followed by followed by Ad Astra at 19 million and Rambo Last Blood at 18.9 million. So, Ad, we were we we both thought Rambo was going to beat Ad Astra, mm-hmm. and it turned out Ad Astra just squeaked out the victory by about 130 thousand. Um, you, I think you won both movies, if I'm correct. I think you guessed under me on both. Uh, I'll take it. I don't remember, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll have to check the record on that, but, uh, but like, that's not the story here. The story is, is Downton Abbey and, uh, there's been controversy on, on two fronts, uh, both <laughs> stemming from me and one of which I'll own and one of which I will still defend. Um, so the, the controversy I'll own is we, we, and really, I, uh, really poo pooed this movie in fantasy box office, um, podcast i was like this is going to be you know just 10 million open call it a day uh it'll be inconsequential well this it did not have an inconsequential opening no uh, i definitely dismissed how many angle files uh we have uh in this country <laughs> um, <laughs> and or as you put it downton heads um so i i i will own that uh i i, I severely underestimated it uh did you take anything away uh from um from that open, from that uh, open? never underestimate the power of um, the PBS audience. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I, was it right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm still, I, I'm still a little confused by it because clearly, because you even after the impressive weekend, 
you well, still I were just, very dismissive of its uh, no, box it, office. And I, I own it, and I apologize to our <laughs> listeners and anyone who did their own fantasy box office draft and, and didn't bid on it because of my recommendation. I do apologize. Um, I, I didn't see this open. Comp- I, I wouldn't have guessed this opening in 100 years, and uh, you know, I, w- I was very wrong on this. Um, I do. I, I do think there's one interesting story, which I want to come. I want to come back to after I address the second controversy on Downton Abbey, which was we got some feedback about why we didn't cover this, um, even as it was trending to a twenty to twenty-five million plus opening. And the reason's pretty simple. I stand by it. I I think the the only reason to watch. The real reason to go see this in the theater is if you're a Downton Abbey fan. That's all it comes down to. Is I I still firmly stand by it. Um, you disagree. What 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 other reasons are there uh, that I'm missing? Uh, well, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that entirely. I, I a lot of the reviews that I saw basically said like that if you were a fan of the show, you'd be a fan of the movie. Um, well, I believe I, on Twitter you listed you try you tried to list like seven <laughs> C don't see categories uh, for for Downton Abbey. Uh, I did. I did. <laughs> so you admit that was just a futile effort that you were just throwing no. the wall and open. No, I stand by some of those. Um <laughs> I don't recall what they are off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, it was nonsense like Maggie Smith. So you don't see Oh her. yes, Dame Maggie Smith. Oh yeah, she, yeah, because people she's... are really good. Oh yeah. She's an opener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, she's been part of the one of the biggest movie franchises of all time. Wayne Johnson, Tom so Cruise, and Maggie she, Smith. It's just a, she's a one. she's a moneymaker. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, again, I, I rest my case. It's a one category C so don't see, and there was there really well, was even even if we we didn't do C don't see with it, we still I believe should have you know at least mentioned it on the uh, on the on the pod. I mean, I guess I'll I guess I'll seed that. I mean, I guess it was a storyline that was it really going to open at number one. Um, I, I'll seed that point um, to the larger point. Of whether this was, you know, a movie really worth dissection and, you know, what interest is there? Again, it, it, it comes down to whether you know the show or not. I think that's true for any other TV shows that uh, that come out of movie theater. And so I wanted to, so, so Ken, I wanted to ask you another question that, that Downton Abbey brings up, which is, mm-hmm. are there any... Sh- are there any shows in the 2010s that if they were made a movie and let's, we'll call it a sequel to after the show ended, that would have had a bigger opening than Downton Abbey's 31 million. And we'll keep it to the 2010s because shows from the nineties and two thousands are from a different era. There was much more consolidated viewership there. And I, and it's not, it'd be an apples to oranges comparison. So mm. let's just stick to this decade. So I came up with four that I okay. feel relatively confident about uh making at least 30 million dollars uh for their opening weekend how many did you come up with i i had three with an asterisk okay Um, so i think there's two we're gonna i think and i think the three i bet the three we have agreement on so i'll start with the two with an asterisk so one is the simpsons and Mm -hmm. that's an asterisk along with the second one which is family guy because they started earlier now they're still airing now, right? But I think like they've just carried along their fan base from an earlier uh, generation, so it counts towards the way the question is framed. But I mean, again, they they gain their audience during a very different era than it is today. Uh, yeah, you agree, right? I mean, yeah. the I mean, The Simpsons already had a movie 
Right. And, and that did $74 million. Yeah, no, correct. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would feel very confident in a, a, a sequel to that movie. Um, yeah, doing more of that. I mean, South Park even would, would probably, at this point, make $30 million opening weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, agree. I didn't even think of that one, but that was off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's probably some shows on like CBS or something that, uh, that that bring in like the the older demographic that I'm not thinking of because I, I I don't watch really much of anything on, on network television yeah. anymore. So Big Bang Theory is an interesting one. Yeah, uh, but I mean like uh, you know um, CSI or or NCIS or you know one of those things if they were to uh, you know Blue Bloods or something. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the shows on on CBS. Those are just the ones I can basically right. name off the top of my head. But I think uh, Big Bang Theory is a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that could. Um, we agree. We Game of Thrones, right? I mean, I think yeah, that's Game of Thrones is is probably number one, yeah. uh, hands down. Um, I think The Office would have a shot at it. Um, and that was released. It, it didn't come out in the deck in this decade, but it was still on right for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they brought the office back for like a a, a movie, the old crew, so Steve yeah, Carell and yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think there's enough love, um, in uh, you know from streaming and everything that people would be into that. Yeah, uh, the the one that I'm probably I'm guessing you thought of this one too uh, would be The Walking Dead. Well, so that's going to be an interesting test case because because there's the actually Dead. there's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, so Walking Dead is a really interesting test case because I think if the movie came out five years ago, I think it easily breaks 30. I think we're, mm. I think you're even looking at 50 because partly because I think that's a rare show that could have appeal for non-audiences. Yep. So be, because yeah, they, could, zombie, they could tell a standalone zombie movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. Fairly easily. Yes, right, and it could actually stoke curiosity amongst the people that never tried it out, and, and yeah, or and, people that have left. Yeah, yeah. now I, I'm gonna be. I, I think there's so much distaste for the show. Maybe uh, I haven't. I, I stopped watching probably three years ago. Right, and and it's still the ratings are still pretty good, especially exactly speaking. But I think for people to shell out movie for another movie starring Andrew Lincoln um, as Rick, I. I I think it'd be low twenties. I think would be my guess. Maybe even lower than that. But we'll see. We still have time. We'll definitely find out. Yeah. yeah. So I think the 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 one that I had kind of out of left field, uh, and I'd be curious your thoughts about it is uh, Doctor Who, which has a pretty um, loyal fan base. I would think. Yes, and. Uh... I'm probably not going to opine on that because I've, as we can see from Downton Abbey, I have a terrible <laughs> judgment when it comes to British shows. Um, <laughs> but very loyal base. I just I don't have a sense for, you know, states, especially stateside. You know, how, what kind of audience mm. I would have. I, I again, I, I thirty seems like a stretch, but again, I'm, <laughs> I mean, it's a long running show. Before. Yeah, um, it's popular, um, and, and they've actually done a couple of like special events where they've shown episodes in the theater and, and those have done like a quarter of a million dollars on their own from just like single showings, basically like one day events. Yeah. So it seems like, uh, if, if they did it, if they're, if they ever did a movie, 
uh, I think it would probably make some money. Yeah, one thing I just thought of is, I mean, is the most successful TV to movie uh, transition Star Trek? I, I probably. I mean, yeah. the only other one that would immediately come to mind for me would be Mission Impossible. Oh, because those are based off TV series, right? Yeah, kind. Well, I mean, they're an adaptation in the same way that, like, you know, Twenty One Jump Street and and Charlie's Angels are. Yeah, so I, I got to put that in a separate category because the, they weren't uh, different cast. Stars. Yeah, it was like, a different you. cast. Yeah. And uh, Star Trek obviously had the same cast. And yeah, so I mean, it was, so it was yeah, probably Star Trek. Yeah, and say, same thing with Downton Abbey. So yeah, and I mean, and it's and that's not a well, and that's not a, a snub because Star Trek was a wild. I mean, that was a wildly successful transition, you know. And and I think most TV shows would really struggle in trying to make that work. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. X Files made uh, eighty three million with that's its a, first movie. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good example. That mo- the, the first movie was a success. It, it really yeah. struggled, I think, trying to continue it. Um, yeah, the the the, the second one was not great. Yeah, but, I mean, in today in two thousand nineteen dollars, that uh, X Files fight the future, which came out in ninety eight. Uh, and I was there opening weekend because that was a huge. That was one of my favorite shows. Uh, that movie would have made 161 million dollars in 2019. Wow! Yeah, that's you. <laughs> it's a big movie. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, yes, and it deserves credit. You know, even if it's just one movie, it deserves yeah. credit for that. So, so we have a couple others. And you know, one thing, other thing we should mention is there. Breaking Bad has a movie coming out technically mm-hmm. in theaters netflix mainly but it's coming out in theaters yeah. on october 11th and i think well, well what let me ask you so if if it had a wide release what do you think will be the opening weekend on that i don't know um i don't i don't remember the rate i think i think the ratings were pretty good for breaking bad uh i'm pretty sure they were better than mad men uh probably not quite on the level of The Walking Dead for AMC. Yes. You're um, correct. Yeah, no, it is higher than Mad Men low. Yeah. Than but I, I mean, Walking Dead. the people that love the show like me, like uh, we, we love it for a reason. Um, the one thing I would think of maybe hold it back is that it is uh, a sequel of the series and it's it's not going to be a continuation of Walter White's story. Ex- you know, that's exactly so, my thoughts. Yeah, I think, so that probably, I, I think that would probably hamper it slightly. If it ha- if it had Walter White somehow, you right. know, he wasn't really dead. I think it breaks thirty. Um, I think with just this current incarnation featuring Jesse, I don't, I don't think it gets there. I, again, I think high teens is very is possible, but but right. but the problem is, I think it's even a bigger uphill climb than Downton Abbey. Whereas, oh yeah, I agree you know you're really only seeing breaking bad if you know the story you know the show i mean there's zero draw you know if um if you don't know who jesse is and what his arc was and everything and and that story was so tight and contained it would be hard to make a movie after the fact that like somehow like ties in like in between season two and season three (laughs) or in between like you know something like that Right. Like something interstitial or something. Right. In alternate history, what if Walter yeah. White's lived? And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But okay, so uh, so good for Downton Abbey, um, and they had a nice hold um, the following weekend. Open at thirty, 
it had just a about 53 54% drop uh, yeah. I would I would have figured it'd be in the sixty to seventy range. It's, it's a <laughs> yeah, you and your you and your one point five multiplier. <laughs> so it's at fifty eight right now, and so it should chug along to you know between seventy and eighty, I would think. Yeah. Um. So you know, well done. Job Maybe well outside shot at like ninety. Yeah. So let's get to um, the main event for this week. This is yeah. we, we circled this week. Um, there's a lot to talk about. We have Joker. Uh, coming out, starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, it is, the, for better or worse, the origin story of, I think, the most iconic comic book villain uh, we oh, have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, again, I say for better or worse, because famously, Joker doesn't really have an origin, you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a comic coming out soon where they're going to more lay out his origin. Um, but the... I'll I'll save that. I'll table that discussion for a little bit later, whether it should have an origin or not. Oh, I thought you were going to table the Joker discussion to have a in-depth discussion of Tim's favorite movie, Lucy in the Sky, (laughs) coming out this weekend. (laughs) Don't even get me started uh, on that, (laughs) on him handing you the title. Uh, So, so Joker. So there's a couple. There's a couple interesting storylines with the movie. Um, There's also. I'm going to say, unfortunately, a couple storylines with some of the buzz that's been coming out of the screenings mm. and some of the discussion, some of the hot takes um, surrounding the movie. And we'll start with the hot take. And we'll start with some of those hot takes. So the reviews have been mostly positive. Um, there's there's some that are calling this movie of the year. Uh, others are saying this is a Herculean performance from Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, basically, just hand him the best Oscar, you know, for this for this role. Uh, and then there's some reviewers, both that like it and don't like it, that say this is sort of a troubling portrayal or an excuse to, you know, uh, engage in antisocial behavior, maybe even homicidal behavior uh, from this. Based on what you've seen from the reviews so far, Ken, do you think this movie is capable of or will promote like a culture of violence? Or promote, like, uh, give an excuse for people that kind of want to engage in this sort of behavior to do so, you know, on any type of scale. I mean, I hope not, but at the same time, it's, it's, people are going to unfortunately do what uh, they want and, and read into things that they want to read into. And I, 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 are we talking about the same thing? Like, yeah. Whole, like, so, you know the history of of the you know um, the guy that went into the movie theater and shot up a, a movie theater like when when the Dark Knight came out. And... Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't quite ref- alluding to that. You're free okay. to you're free to talk about that if you want. I would prefer um, not to, but uh, yeah. I know that's that's been cropping up too, in in discussion around this movie as well. So yeah, I guess my question is more philosophical whether. Um, and this has come up with some of the some of the incidents, um, the mass shooting incidents that's come out, where you know people like President Trump and some of his ardent supporters are saying, "Well, you have to get at inter- video games, entertainment that promote this kind of thing." Um, and this movie is being circled as you know Exhibit A of what could be promoting people who want to do mass shootings to further encourage them to do that. Um, do you have a take on on that sort of argument? I I don't buy that kind of argument in the in the least. Um, 
it's yeah i mean that's it i don't i say i don't buy it in the least but at the same time i do recognize that it's complicated and and um you know some people shouldn't be subjected to certain kinds of uh things and and you know obviously when there's for children like they they have a rating system for a reason but uh, when it comes to adults like you have to be responsible for yourself and you know yes so i i am of the opinion that Video games, movies, and art, broadly speaking, do not make sane people insane. I agree with well, that. Yes. If you're well-balanced, you, you're <clears> able <throat> to draw a distinction and a line between what is a movie and you know, basically what is and art. What is entertainment and what is reality. However, <laughs> for the person that is not well-balanced and for that, it would be, I think, ignorant to say that it couldn't have an impact. And... And I think we as a culture and society have to decide how we really deal with that because it's not just limited to movies. It's there's all sorts of websites out there. There's even if non-digitally, there's groups out there that, you know, that support this kind of behavior. And, you know, even if it's done on an entertainment or fanciful level, people that can't draw a distinction or, or again, they're not well balanced. They don't, they don't, have a morality that says mass shootings are bad, <laughs> you know, they're justified because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, you know, it's this type of movie can, however, I, I don't, my, my position is I don't think art should be limited for the small percentage of people that are, that can't handle it. Right. You know, right. right. Because we, I think we as a culture and society need to be able, hopefully there's people looking after them or at least looking out, if they're well imbalanced and they know they go see this movie, then they take some appropriate action one way or another, you know? And, um, you know, so I, I, I want to get to a little bit later. I think there's other reasons to to say maybe we shouldn't make a movie glorifying a villain, (laughs) um, which we'll get to a little bit later, but Mm -hmm. any additional thoughts uh, on this? No, I think you said that pretty well. Okay. Thank you. Um, one critic, and I could not find a review um, in time, one critic made a point that this this is basically the wrong move. This is the right movie in the wrong time. Like saying, like, this movie would have been wrong in the 70s and it's wrong today, but it would have been perfect for the 80s and 90s when we didn't have these kind of problems, like these sort of mass riots or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if there's such a thing as art being in the right, it's the right art but the wrong time either it's art or it's not <laughs> you know that's kind right. of i mean I, I guess there's something to the as standards evolve so what art should reflect i mean you know if art can reflect the standards of the time and the standards change and art from long ago wouldn't be appropriate today um but what, what do you what, what do you what's your take on what's your take yeah on? I, i'm kind of along the same lines as you although okay. i don't necessarily buy the argument that it wouldn't work in the 70s since it i've seen a lot of comparisons with this movie to taxi driver right which was one of like the quintessential 70s movies right right so i'm not sure where that person is coming from well i i think it's more so taxi driver so i think a lot of people are saying this is in the mold of it in terms of thematically and maybe even there's some couple homages to it but in terms of what this movie might be endorsing, which is, 
you know, mass panic, mass riots, mass violence. You know, that, I mean, seventies were a tumultuous time. You know, for that right, as well. Right. Um, so, might have been where you're going. Um, it's. I mean, again, I, I still think it comes down to we need to look after each other and make sure people who are who should not be seeing this movie should not be seen, whether it's kids or whether it's imbalanced people or, or, or right. whatnot. Um, one, so one other aspect of this before we get into walking, you know, the movie itself, the nuts and bolts, um, is so the joke. So Joker is a villain origin story and we're kind of seeing Hollywood kind of go into this well more and more as it's sort of for a couple reasons. One is it's, it wants to continue to mine IP, but not in repetitive ways. So instead mm-hmm. of making a Batman movie, it's going to make, Oh, let's make a movie about the villain, you know? And, uh, you know, we saw this with Maleficent, uh, the sequel, yeah, which is even Venom. Let's not make a sleeping beauty movie. We've already done that. No one wants to see it. Bob, let's make a movie about the villain. Yeah. Uh, should we continue to make villain origin stories? Uh, Ken, your thoughts. I mean, I'm not a big fan of them. <laughs> Because because I, I they're the villains they're they're <laughs> they're not supposed to be the center of the story I mean traditionally but uh, I mean it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna outright as as someone that that uh, consumes copious amounts of movies in all different forms and shapes and sizes I'm not gonna outright uh, say that uh, you know one certain kind of movie shouldn't be made um, I. If, so here's it, my so here's most, my case for why not. Be, so here's my ahead. case. I'm, so the case. All right, let me back up. I'm going to give you a couple villain origin movies that I think really worked. Um, we'll start a little bit backwards. So Infinity War. You know, that, Infinity War is basically a Thanos origin story. Yeah, it know. is. Um, but it it works in the larger context of having so uh, so many previous you know, superhero movies. Um, yeah, anyways, yeah. Well, uh, I will t- well I'll tell you one distinguishing factor, and I'll give you a couple other ones that, that I think really worked. Um, Carrie, yeah, I think, is a villain origin story, even though, well, again, it's not I, quite I, framed that way, but... I don't... I, I still don't consider Carrie necessarily, like, a villain. Well, uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why she could be in a second. And then Godfather. I consider Godfather. Oh, yeah, well... Godfather's I, yeah. a villain origin story. That's That's fair. So what what is the common element of those three movies? The Godfather, Carrie, and what was the first one? Uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. Tell me. So the common element is all of those movies are not prequels or sequels. They are the very first time you encounter that villain. Oh, I think that's okay. really important. I think that's really important because because you don't have any preconceptions of the villain going into the movie. You don't, you're just you're just learning the character, and it's and the the character itself some uh, goes through a similar arc as some other villains' origin stories, where you know who they are going in there. But the but the key thing is you have no expectations going in. So when let's just take. Let's take The Godfather, because I think it's a really great example, mm-hmm. is let's say if they came out with God, let's say Godfather 2 was the very first Godfather movie. Let's say that was the very first we learned about Michael Corleone through it. And he's a villain. of He's 
clearly the villain and he's clearly the villain of the story. Now there's some scenes where he shows him struggling, you know, with some of his acts and stuff, but if Godfather one came out after Godfather two, it's a pretty different animal because now you're presented with a movie that's sort of saying, okay, here's this villain, but he's not such a bad, he wasn't such a bad guy after all. And okay, here's how he became a villain because he's trying to protect his family and he was trying to, you know, do everything he could. He's not so bad. He's just a normal guy that turned bad for completely justifiable reasons. That's, I don't think that's great for movies because, you know, villains, villains need to be villains for perfectly good villain reasons because that's how, go ahead. I I would interject. I would say it's, it's good in, in small doses. If it's, if it's, Every villain, or even half of them, I, I I think you're crossing a line where it's it's diluting the quality of it. I think I think those, um, you know, Godfather and, and Infinity War and Carrie and other examples work because they're exceptions to the rule as opposed to um, as opposed to the rule. But see, but so I think it's or the standard. So. I think it's problematic if let's take Star Wars uh, and I, let's take the prequel, the prequels, as an example of a villain origin story gone really bad. <laughs> um, it's I think it's problematic when you're introduced to Darth Vader, and I know he turns to be good in the end, but let's just take the first two, you know, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. He is the most. I mean, he's one of the most evil villains you've ever seen, and he is ruthless. And he is so fun to root, root against because he's so ruthless and evil and maniacal. And all he wants to do is take down the good guy. But now we're introduced to three sweeping movies where, like, oh, Darth Vader isn't that bad. He oh, he's a little kid. He's a, oh, what? <laughs> look at that. Look, at, he's so cute. I think that and, takes oh, away. Oh, he's a, yeah. Right. It takes away from the image of Darth Vader because now it's not so fun to root against him. Now, you know, when you watch it's like, oh, it's so it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I I think part of that is because it's a prequel and it's 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 um, it's changing the fundamental way that we've always viewed the character. Right. Like, you know, like like you said, it wouldn't work as well for the Godfather with Michael Corleone's arc if you start with Godfather Part Two. Right, exactly. And it makes Godfather uh, yeah. 2 more powerful because it shows his further descent, you know, into yeah. it. Because his arc is just, he starts off high and then goes further and further and further and further down. Um, and, and take into a sports example for a second. I mean, is sports more, I mean, <laughs> let's take Red Sox-Yankees. You're a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees fan. Is, isn't Light sports more fun? Dark, yep. What's that? Light versus dark. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, uh, and I think we can both say this fair, like sports was more fun when like, from your point of view, the Yankees were, you know, the evil empire and just you hated them and right. there was nothing redeemable yep. about those teams. And from my point of view, when the Red Sox were punks and correctly, the correct view that they were punks and no manners and they were, you know, just a bunch of, um, you know, SOBs. And it's it was more fun. You were more into it. You were more like these guys got to go down, and the victories were so much sweeter because you really thought you were overcoming the dark side. And sports are still fun now, but I think you and I both kind of share the view that you know I think both teams have players you like, and you still want to beat them because it's Boston, New York. But it's right. You know, it's you still always going to be there. That's right. That's right. It doesn't it's have just, the it doesn't have the sizzle to it that it once did, though. 
That's that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, and um, and so I think the same thing applies for villains. I think you know, and I, I just I think it's 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 just not a, you know. So this Joker movie is well reviewed. It could be a really fun piece of art. Phoenix could deserve the Oscar, and you can really enjoy it from that point of view. But if you really try to humanize even the Joker and say, oh, he started off just at one of us, just events he couldn't control took him down to this dark side. It just doesn't right. make it as fun, right? Here, here's, it's it's uh, it's overexposure. Yeah. So, like, let, you know, a perfect uh, perfect example of, of movie, um, like, from movie history, not necessarily of a villain, but in this case, it, it, I think the same thing applies with Monsters. Uh, you look at the movie Jaws. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they plan to use Bruce the Shark a whole heck of a lot more than we actually got in that movie. But because the animatronic shark wasn't working right, half the right. time, they had right. to pair it back. Yeah. And in and, and that case, with, with a monster like that, a, a big, giant, great white shark that's hunting humans, basically, like feeding on yeah. humans, right. less is more. And, and if you overexpose the audience to a villain, then you dilute the character. And we like one of the things I love about going back to Star Wars, I love the Emperor in in the original trilogy because we there's he's he's like this shadowy figure yeah. in the background that like finally comes to the forefront in, in Re- Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um but there's 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 I was gonna bring, there I'm glad too. you brought him up because I was gonna bring him up too. Yeah, and then that's so like another example, like um and this is this, you know, not the greatest movie, but Independence Day, like <laughs> part of the appeal for that movie is because we don't see the aliens that much. Right. You right. know, like we, we see the destruction that they, they and havoc that they unleash on on the earth. But we don't we we, we don't uh you know, we're not spending copious amounts of time or equal time with the the villain as the aliens in that movie as we are with the people. Well, isn't it the, that are fighting? Isn't it? Yep. And isn't it the only line the aliens say is, "What do you want from us? Die!" And they just say, "Die!" die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's right. it. And like, and right. And it's like, oh my gosh, I want Will Smith to keep punching these aliens until right. they get victory. So, a lot of times, less is more. And you know, in in the age that we live in, with people needing. You know, you know, new IP and and holding on to tent poles wherever you can find them because people don't go to the movies for the most part unless it's a right. tent pole movie. Right. Uh, you, you, we're getting oversaturation with with certain things, and it's well, right. And you know? and going back to your Independence Day analogy, I mean, what if they came out with a villain origin story, the aliens? Like oh. they were, oh, they were just looking for a hall. They were just sweet and innocent, and then some something else invaded their yeah. homeland so they were forced to look for another it'd be like uh, okay so they're not so bad to begin with so we shouldn't have tried to kick them out you know and that's why i think the villain origin stories that really emphasize choice like in the tragedy so meaning like okay sir they may have just initially been trying to you know, protect their families or protect their planet in thanos's case but they still made a choice to prove a very drastic action, an action mm-hmm. that most moral people still would not have chosen. I think that's another element that makes villain success stories work. Thanos and Infinity War. 
okay, I get it. He saw his planet was going to ruin. You know, it was, if he didn't take any action, you know, his planet would starve to death. Now, however, he didn't need to kill half the people in the cosmos to do that. And that was his choice. And that was his choice in his agency. Therefore, he's still a really bad guy. And soon as we take him down and you can still root for him, the Avengers to succeed and really defeat him. And his arrogance also, and arrogance is also really key, I think. You know, for good villain is you know, yeah. The, uh, the the thing that I would yeah. say, going back to the Joker, is for the most part his character, his the, for the history of, of the character's existence in our pop culture, his origin has never really mattered. Right. Right. Uh, uh, and, and for the most part, most comic book villains, their origins don't matter. Uh, to to a degree like and, and we get that we we get like the not lip service but they 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 give us the you know just as often like they they give us the the quick origin of the villain you know doc ock in spider-man 2 or you know um mm-hmm. even even the joker in in the first tim burton batman movie right uh, you know yep. those kind of things but you know in, in superman the first superman movie you know uh lex luther it there's no, we're just introduced to him. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He just exists. It's not like mm-hmm. we don't see him coming up the ranks or or whatever. It's just, and, and then you know, it's just for the most part, you, you you don't necessarily need all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. At, at least that, not to a degree of of devoting a whole movie to it. Yeah, <laughs> and we should point out that Venom, Venom is sort of a villain origin story, but yeah. For- it's, Crucially, I'm just gonna forget Spider-Man three ever happened. Crucially, that's right. our first introduction to him on the movie screen. So yeah, again, that that whole reboot is yeah, it's. I I liked I, that. I liked Venom a lot more than I it, thought I would. Again, I, I can't did. Call yeah, it I did too. Good. It was it was dumb fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I I enjoyed the the Tom Hardy doing both voices. Yeah, me too. That playing playing Eddie, thing. but also doing the voice of, right. of the Venom care, uh, creature. Yep. Um, <laughs> I love I love some of the uh, back and forth banter between yeah. the two of them, but yeah, it's it, they definitely turned him into more of an anti-hero as opposed yeah. to like a, a straight out villain. Yeah, for that movie. Bef- before we move on, I do want to touch on. I, I want to circle back to Carrie just for just one reason. Well, two reasons. One is if you haven't checked it out, we have a whole Ripple Effect podcast mm-hmm. uh, totally dedicated to Carrie. Go check it out. Um, but I bring up Carrie just because I, I think of Carrie. Carrie would have totally worked as a prequel origin story if there was an actual Carrie franchise and like the first introduction to her was just totally as like a horror monster or villain or whatever, where she's a you know uh, a teenage telekinetic teenager who terrorizes high school movies for unclear <laughs> reasons, like Jason, like Jason, like Jason or Michael Myers. Right, correct. And, like, I could picture that actual Carrie movie being made, you know, 15 years after the fact as a prequel as a prequel story. And it totally would have worked as it would have worked in that fashion, too. But the fact they did it in the very first time, I think, speaks really well to how good a movie it is. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I don't see Carrie if she had gone on. I don't think she would have been a villain like that. I would have I would have seen her as like, like traumatized from what she did. And and like going on, like trying to 
use their power for good or something in some <laughs> weird way. Really? Um, well, I mean, the, the the whole like telekinesis thing. Like, I I, I don't know. I, uh, I I don't see her as like someone that would like that sets her on this like you know settled path toward toward uh, destruction and they're all gonna la- they're all gonna laugh at you. Yeah, but she read she... the whole time. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I read it differently. Huh. Okay, interesting. Well, check out the ripple effect for more discussion on yeah. the movie. Okay, uh, let's. All right, so let's get to a couple of nuts and bolts. Uh, we have see, don't see coming up as well as bonus questions. Um, this is a return to a return to cinema for Joaquin Phoenix, um, and I think he's a big draw for this movie. It was big news when he agreed to play this play the role. Um, we were scratching our heads a little bit that they were doing this movie to begin with. Uh, just to remind all the audience who don't know, this is a standalone movie. There's zero connections to Justice League, to Superman, Batman, to the Jared Leto um, Joker character. Um, this this is a pure standalone Joker origin story. Um, I think I think this is I think any role Joaquin Phoenix takes is going to be fascinating. It's going to be up for discussion. Um, what's your take on him and his career, his career as a whole, and where he's kind of heading uh, with this role? Oh, um, you should probably ask my sister and her husband about um me and joaquin phoenix um they think that i have some weird obsession with him (laughs) i shared my uh digital movie uh like library account with them and they just apparently seem to um looking at the titles i have they're like oh that's a joaquin phoenix movie that's a joaquin phoenix movie that's a joaquin phoenix movie what is this guy's obsession yeah right. <laughs> uh, okay, no, I like, well. but I mean, a little exaggerated on their part. But I am very much a fan of Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah, I'm. If there were, if that's coming up in C don't see, um, I'm a full fledged three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he was. So we should point out. I think the only other villain role he's done is uh, Emperor Commodus in uh, Gladiator, which is also a phenomenal villain origin story. Um, It's actually really clever in that he's a full-blown villain, but they also really... I mean, it works as a villain origin as well as just a a full-out villain movie. Um, And... Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite villain performances of all time. Um, I just I just updated my own internal villain power rankings, and you know I had Colonel Tavington uh, from the Patriots my number one for a long time. And, and <laughs> after reassessing it, and watching Gladiator recently, I think Commodus is number one now. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, he's tremendous in that movie. He really, um, it, it's he humanizes it as well as portrays him as one of the most scathing creeps, you know, mm-hmm. and sociopaths you could ever see. He's just so effective in it. Um, and in his turn in a way that his, his character twists and turns throughout the movie. Um, I think he's one of our few actors left where any role he takes as an event. Johnny Depp had that for, for a few years. <clears throat> um, I think Leo DiCaprio is still in that um, yep. zone. And and Joaquin Phoenix certainly is in there. Um, you know his last couple of movies. Um, did you ever see Mary Magdalene where he played Jesus? No, I've been. 
I, I I have not been able to find that one um, anywhere, but yeah. I've, I've seen literally um, just about everything else that he's done in the last like decade. Um, that's I mean going backwards, uh, Sisters Brothers. Uh, I didn't see Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Foot, but I did see You Were Never Really Here. Uh, not a rational man. I saw Inherent Vice. I own Inherent Vice. <laughs> saw her. I own her. Uh, didn't see the immigrant yet, uh, but I also own the master. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so, yeah, yeah big he's, fan. He's, he's a really good, I'm, I'm really fascinated. He was, it was funny. I was surprised by the casting, but then when I really think about it, it's really not much of a surprise because he's a pretty, he's a very physical actor, yes. and particularly in the roles he's taken lately. And when you really think about the Joker and what he can be, you know, Joker's also a very physical character as well not physical in the brawny sense but it's physical he you know a lot of body convulsing um you know and uh a lot of obviously maniacal laughter and and a lot of twitch body twitching and i think that's really right in joaquin phoenix's uh idiosyncratic very idiosyncratic um so you know again this is this is a movie really it's clear from the trailers this is this is his showcase, and uh, it's probably if if you like him, you're gonna love the movie. And if you don't, or if you just think he's over the top or scenery chewing, then you know, then the movie's not gonna be for you. Who thinks that about Joaquin Phoenix? I don't know. You know, just it, those people need to get their head checked. <laughs> I've never seen him chew the scenery. No, no, no. But I mean, there's there's some there maybe some moments where he's a little over the top, but maybe. Uh, but now what do you make of todd phillips being the director of this i really don't know what to make of it (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's he's for me a mixed bag uh obviously the hangover was was a huge movie the sequels were increasingly less so you know diminishing returns there um i think he what the due date with galifianakis and and um Robert Downey Jr. Um, I, I I don't know. He go this ahead. This is more or less strange than Paul Feig doing um, that uh, Anna Kendrick like thriller movie. Uh, yeah, that was that was a <laughs> out of left field kind of thing. Um, yeah, I I don't know. This we're gonna see what kind of uh, drama uh, director he is um yeah i really don't know what to make of him i don't yeah i i tend to think it's hard it's hard to assess his is to me it's hard to assess his directing because i really think his best movies were best because of the story and the character the, story and the, and the, the characters, characters of the talent on screen yeah yeah like i think you can really see like paul fag like you can really see his effect because like the characters that he directs are just they just act differently, they have different comedic beats than any other movie you're gonna see them in. Um, so you can kind of really see his influence there. Uh, Todd Phillips, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not is, being a student enough of the game to let me let me sense. just give you a quick uh, rundown of his directorial efforts. Yeah. Uh, two thousand Road Trip, two thousand three Old School, two thousand four Starsky and Hutch, two thousand six School for Scoundrels. Uh, 2009, The Hangover. 2010, Due Date. 2011, The Hangover Part 2. 2013, The Hangover Part 3. 2016, War Dogs. 
and now Joker. Oh, I forgot he did War Dogs. Yeah, so this really isn't as yeah. Although that was War Dogs is sort of a black comedy, but yeah. Uh, I will have to say he gets a major ding in my book for due date because that movie should have worked and mm. it, it just didn't. Um, and I, I really blame him for that. I mean, yeah, Robert Downey at the peak of his powers and Gal Finakis at the peak of his powers. And yeah, coming just, off of the hangover, right? Coming off the hangover and it just didn't work. It was, you know, just, um, not the right mix. It wasn't the right comedy. It was just, uh, it was just a mess all around. This is my opinion. All right, are you ready for uh, C Don't See? Let's do it. Okay. For those of us joining us for the first time, C Don't See is a way for Ken and I to quantify our interest in the movies we're about to see. Instead of us just saying, oh, I'm sort of interested in seeing this or I'm not interested in seeing this, we're going to assign a number score to it. So I'm going to read off several categories uh, dealing with elements of the movie or the trailer. Uh, it could be actors, it could be the characters, it could be thematic elements, it could be directors, producers. Uh, we will we will score each of them on a scale of negative three to positive three. With positive three being we are there opening night, with negative three being hell no, we ain't we aren't seeing this under any circumstance. Hell no, we won't go. <laughs> uh, Ken, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Okay. Uh, First one I have is the Joker. Is the jo- is the character of the Joker? All you know about the movie is it centers around and stars a Joker. You don't know who's acting in it. You don't know who's directing. You don't know whether this is connected at all to the DCEU or not. Um, what what is your see or don't see? I mean, the Joker is one of the like we said, probably the most iconic villain in in comic book history. Um, the only thing that, that keeps... I'm going to say a two. And the only thing that keeps me from giving it a three, uh, movie-wise, is is Jared Leto. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Jared Leto, God. I, I I don't know what the heck he was going for in that. that that's he was still, definitely going for something. <laughs> going for the Forever 21 uh, look, I guess. But... Uh, and for that for that audience, I'm with you. I'm a two. Um, yeah, the things that would make me nervous, not knowing anything else, is how deep into the origin it's going, or again, who's starring, and it could be disastrous. But just on concept alone, I'm a two. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. All right, fifty-five. Yeah, I'm yeah. putting in. I already yeah, the fifty-five yep. out of three. All right, we're two for two. I'm a, th- <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a three, I'm a three. I'm a three. I'm a fifty-five. I don't know about fifty-five, but I'm a three as well. Uh, Todd Phillips. Oh, he knows he's directing um, it. Probably is uh, zero, verging on negative one. Yeah, I'm a negative. I'm a negative one. I'm a negative one. So what's your score? Wait, zero? I'll you? say zero. Yeah, I'm a minus one. Again, Dude really turned me off. And I think he's. You ran through his list. He's had more duds than not. He's really only had a couple like really good, you know, interesting movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, Robert De Niro in a supporting role. Robert De Niro in a supporting role. That's all you know about the movie. Hmm. Is he has a supporting role in it. Probably, uh, I'll go with a one on that one. So, it really matters what kind of movie he has a supporting role in. Um, hmm. For me, in certain, in in a in. <laughs> 
actually. I was Use your words. Which I didn't really mean. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of a minus one on this just because it's just so over. He's so oversaturated. He's in everything. I mean, it's just, it's just, he needs to take a break or, or retire or something. I, I love him. He's in some of my favorite movies ever, but he's just in too much these days. So I, I'm kind of out. Yeah. Um, all right. All you know is uh, the movie features a star who wears clown makeup like a lot of the time, you know, during <laughs> it. and it's uh, heavily featured in the trailers. Uh, see or don't see. That that doesn't move the needle for me. No. Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to say zero. Uh, so I'm actually kind of a one on this. Um, yeah, because, yeah, you know, if it's a clown and unless it's like a movie in a, about an actual clown which I would not be interested in, you know, there's something creepy going on or something, you know, weird or, yeah, I'm a little bit intrigued in it because clowns are usually interesting or really scary in one way or another. We discussed that in our it, see, don't see that, you know, scary clowns I'm fascinated by and, and I'm kind of in on if that's, you know, going to be, uh, if that's going to be the focal point. So I'm a one soft one, but I'm a one. Um, all you know about the movie is it's a, it's a movie themed like a seventies. We talked about it before. It's like it's like mm. Taxi Driver. It's like a very uh, has a lot of homages to like seventies themed like uh, city movies. I like mm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a two on that one. I'm I'm very much in, but I'm I'm not all the way in. Yeah, I'm not as in as you. I don't know those. I mean, again, Taxi Driver is obviously an excellent piece of art um it's not very fun for me um that genre or that element and again they tend to be slower paced and i'm just i am a zero it doesn't really okay. one way or another yeah uh last one this is kind of a stretch i'm not really i needed a seventh i couldn't really think of uh <laughs> another one besides going to the actor well uh, all you know is it's a man who laughs maniacally throughout probably a lot of the movie. Uh, <laughs> maniacal laugh. Right, right, maniacal, maniacal laugh. laugh. <laughs> uh, see or don't see. That's that's a very weird uh, see. Yeah, as I said, it mm. was a stretch. It was a stretch. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, zero. Yeah, I'm a zero as well. I was trying to think, like, I was trying to go, like, a comedian, like, like, uh, but that was sort of around De Niro, like, oh, it's a movie about, like, an aging... I don't know. Uh, well, let's just count up our scores. Uh, let's see. You are an eight out of seven categories. I am a four out of seven categories. So you're more interested in me. Um, as we said before, uh, don't treat this... Uh, well, I, it is science in many respects. But, you know, one of the flaws is certain categories mean more than others. I think for most of the audience... Um, the fact that this is about the Joker and has Joaquin Phoenix is 90% of the reason to see or don't see this movie. Um, so we were both two or three on it. So I think, uh, you know, I think we're both very interested in this, in this movie and I do plan on seeing this in the theater. So, Same. So, yeah. All right. I have, how many bonus questions do I have? Okay. I have three. First bonus question. If Batman was in the movie in some fashion, it's not about Batman, it's about the Joker, but if he was in the movie in some respect, does this make you more or less interested in it? I would be slightly more interested, I think. Um, I feel like there's a... 
I haven't watched the the animated uh, Batman animated series from the '90s in a while, but I feel like there was an episode that was focused mainly on the Joker from that. That that's uh-huh. really good, and and Batman's just kind of like on the periphery, and I think that could work. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I might even be a two out at a three, maybe not a one. Uh, you know, again, as as Heath Ledger's Joker eloquently said, they Joker and Batman need each other. Um, you know, and uh, they're really for yeah, they 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 complete each other, as he said. So <laughs> I don't know if one totally makes. I mean, Batman makes sense with other villains, but I don't know. We'll see if the Joker makes sense without. A character such as Batman, you know, to sort of deal with his, um, you know, deal with his tricks and stuff. But uh, let's see. If the movie was set in current day instead of like in the 70s, are you more or less interested? Probably, uh, probably indifferent. Okay. That wouldn't, that wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't um, go one way or the other on that. Okay. Um, I'd be a little bit more interested just because, again, I, I'm not crazy about 70s theme movies, so... Um, I think technically but, it's set in the 80s. Oh, is but, it? Okay. Yeah, that's what I've read. Okay. Fair but even enough. that, it's definitely carrying the taxi driver... Right. Uh, like, French Connection, mm-hmm. late 70s kind of vibe to it. Okay. Um... If it was set like in the fifties or forties, would that make you any more uh, interesting? That well, hmm. it could be set in any. I mean, it could be that set could in be intriguing. Because... What's that? That could be intriguing. <laughs> Last one. Um, if Christopher Nolan directed this movie, <laughs> <laughs> I would be very interested. Yeah. If only because. And not not specifically because Nolan is directing it, but because he did The Dark Knight right. with Heath Ledger and said that he would never go back to that <laughs> character because of right. Heath Ledger's death, and mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't he wasn't interested in in recasting. So if he yeah. was directing this movie, that would tell me that he had some interesting kind of hook, right? And, and he, he just couldn't that couldn't resist scratching that itch. No, be, and because Phoenix is such a wildly different actor than Heath Ledger, and you know, they, they, and they, there shouldn't be any connective tissue at all no. you know, to any you know other Batman movie, especially to the the Nolan uh, Batman universe. But I just wanted to bring that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, uh, let's do Rotten Tomato reviews. We are we already have 150 reviews. Uh, because this screened for the Toronto uh, Film right. Festival. Um, so right now is at 78% Rotten Tomato. Um, we had a couple reviews here. So again, these reviews are very interesting because you know some of them take on the whole, you know, it's the wrong message, good movie, but the wrong message kind of thing. So we'll read you a couple flavors of it. Uh, Gavia Baker-Whitelaw from The Daily Dot Right, starting as a powerful, powerfully unsettling character study, it builds to the kind of corny and obvious finale you'd expect from, well, yes, a studio superhero movie. That was three and a half out of five stars. Excuse me, three and a half out of five stars. Positive review. Uh, there's another one I wanted to read. 
from Mr. Peter Travers uh, from Rolling Stone. Here we go. Uh, so he writes, uh, forget the overhyped controversy. Joker is simply stupendous as entertainment and provocation with a gut punch performance by Phoenix that puts a horrifically human face on an iconic comic book villain. So that's that's a review you sort of look for to say, oh, okay, like I'm safe going to see this movie. This is going to be a fun time. Now, I I think he's kind of alone in sharing like that kind of enthusiasm mm-hmm. for because I think even the great ones are like, you know, this is a Joaquin Phoenix showcase only. Like, this isn't, you know, sort of entertainment, sort of not kind of thing. I got a I got a whopper of a negative review for you. Okay. You ready for this one? Yeah. This comes from David Edelstein of New York Magazine and Vulture. He writes, As Hannah Arendt saw banality and the supposed evil of the Nazi Adolf Eichmann, I see in Joker an attempt to elevate nerdy revenge to the plane of myth. That's scary on a lot of different levels. Right, right. Okay. Well, so, the, yeah, that, he's firmly in that camp of <laughs> no one should see this movie ever, basically. Um, here's one um, from Amanda Jane Robinson from Flix, uh, flix.co.new. I think that's New Zealand. Uh, if you want to watch a reje- this is a negative review. If you want to watch a rejected loner with a history of trauma and a conflicted relationship with their mother make the world burn for how they were treated, try Carrie. Another shameless plug for Carrie Ripple effect. Mm. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, interesting. That's an interesting uh, direct parallel uh, to Carrie. But we'll, we'll see. Look, if it's like Carrie, it's going to be good because Carrie is freaking awesome. So yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, anything else? One more positive review from Scott okay. Mendelson from Forbes. It's gorgeous to look at and splendidly acted, but it works much better as a singular character study than as a broader sociopolitical drama. That was a six out of ten. He gave that. That seems to be like the median review, I would say. Yeah. I got a negative review here that might be pretty good. Alonzo Duraldi from okay. The Rap. If you strip the Joker of his nearly 80-year history as a cultural icon out of this film, as well as all the 70s movie homages, there's not a whole lot left except for Phoenix's performance. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of turn that's destined to be divisive. Huh. Eh. So, it's, this movie's been in, been in the news. It's it sparked a lot of discussion, uh, which leads us to our box office predictions. So, we've seen... Um, this is going to be a significant opening, no matter where it lands. Uh, fairly fairly deep range here. Um, the preliminary consensus was this is going to open the seventy to eighty million dollar range. Uh, there's been some tracking of some momentum building, and I've even seen a projection as high as a hundred million um, for this. Um, it seems to sort of settle down. I think. The last tracking is like in the eighty to eighty-five million dollar range. Um, I just want to check box office real quick. I'm seeing a hundred and one. Is that from box office? Yeah, they're okay. putting in the eighty-five to one hundred five range. Yeah, and their opening forecast is one hundred one, which is down two percent from what they predicted the week before. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's make some predictions. Ken, what say you? I'm going to say a robust $95 million. Mm. 
Any any reason you want to give any reasons? Or... I'm going right in the middle of the forecast on box <laughs> office, <laughs> and I'm gonna let you be the one to choose whether to go above that or below. Okay, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit lower. Um, I'm I'm a little concerned that I think people are concerned about seeing this opening weekend because again, what if there's a repeat of Aurora, Colorado? Uh, someone tries something you know dumb on opening weekend. Um, I'm just going to go a little bit lower. I was going to go 89. 89 was my, uh, was the number I had written down okay. for that, which is still, that's a tremendous boat. You know, if it, if it's above 80, it's a tremendous opening. I think Venom was, um, Venom so. was 80, uh, 80. on the dot. Yeah. Venom was 80 on the dot. So if this supersedes that, um, it be, should. Yeah. It, it, I think so. Yeah. Again, for a, Joker origin study that's that many reviewers are calling like a character, like an overlong character study. It'll be interesting if it really kind of gets that high. Um, I think there's still, I think there's a lot of curiosity about Joaquin Phoenix and and people are and, uh, and going to see him in this kind of role. Uh, but I'm sticking with 89. I, that's, that is my prediction. So, okay. um, so about, uh, that about wraps it up. So next week we have uh, two, Two main wide releases uh, coming out. We have Adam's Family, uh, which is an animated movie, and then we'll, as well as Gemini Man, the Will Smith Ang Lee collaboration, which is already off to a stellar start in the Rotten Tomato department. Uh, but we will break both of those movies down, and uh, and we will talk about uh, how the Joker did on in the box office uh, opening weekend. So, uh, Ken, what do you have going on? I just did a review for uh, Ad Astra, which I enjoyed. Um, I've been meaning to write about my trip to Telluride by the sea. I saw Ford versus Ferrari, um, which was that for (laughs) generally speaking, uh, you're, you're, it's the movie that your parent, your your father is going to love this year. Okay. (laughs) Not you specifically, Greg, but I'm saying for for a general audience, this is the movie that your dad will, will enjoy. Okay. Um, Marriage Story, which is coming out on Netflix uh, later in the year. That's a really good one. Motherless Brooklyn, a little uneven, but uh, yeah. Sleep through that one or what? no? It's it's not. It's it didn't put me to sleep. Uh, okay. It's just it's it's um, a throwback to kind of um, de- de- uh, detective movies from like the fifties uh, and you know right. stuff like that. So. Right. Um, but a little uneven. And then um, the movie that I thoroughly enjoyed that I had no idea about was a movie called The Climb, which is this, this little like indie uh, comedy that's very hilarious that uh, will probably show up like um, on Amazon Prime or or Netflix or Hulu uh, in the in the near future. Um, and it's it's like an hour and a half long, but it's, it's really funny. It's about friendship between two friends uh two guys uh told over like i don't know a decade or so uh and the ups and downs of their their friendship um it's yeah it's a fun movie Uh, it's i i've been meaning to write about these i just haven't had time uh with with my job it's been a little hectic in the last week but uh hoping to write about these uh in the very near future while they're before they become uh kind of like pushed out of my brain from other right. movies coming out like joker uh, so yeah that's that's a long way of saying that uh i got a couple of things and a couple of uh things on the horizon all right great 
Great. Yeah, well, it's going to be an exciting uh, season for box office preview. Some big movies still to come out, uh, one of which is not Gemini Man. Uh, we'll we'll get <laughs> through that. But uh, yeah, we got Maleficent in a couple weeks, and we have Terminator Dark Fate, which we cannot wait to uh, dissect that future bomb um, to occur. And, of course, we have Frozen and uh, the last Star Wars movie, which we'll be doing multiple podcasts, I think, uh, about that one. Not just some box office preview, but... Uh, perhaps a couple other uh, po- uh, po- uh, on-stage blog podcasts. Uh, so stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Greg E333. I will, uh, and then you can find Mr. Jones at... Ken Jones 81 yeah. uh, Friend us on Facebook. Please give us five stars on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, five stars, five stars. Please spread the word. Okay, uh, if you're going to see Joker this weekend, uh, have fun. Uh, and I hate to say this, but just, you know, I, I, think, I think this weekend's going to go with that incident. Um, I say that with 99% certainty, but just, just in case, just stay safe. Uh, just keep your eyes out. You never know. Um, but uh, check it out. Go have fun. Talk about it. Um, and hopefully it's going to be something really interesting to talk about. Uh, All right. For Ken Jones, this is Greg Earhart. We'll catch you next week. Have fun at the movies. Adios.